everyone, to the Drink and Learn podcast. I'm Elizabeth Pierce. And I'm Abigail Gullo. And today we are drinking and talking about the old fashioned. Mm, one of my favorites. It's my mother's favorite, and mm. by default, my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I am enjoying a bourbon old fashioned. And I'm having a rye old-fashioned, both of which are available at happy hour at my bar downstairs, Compare Le Pen. Uh, in the old number 77 hotel, which is where we are recording. We are in another beautiful artist studio on this beautiful day in New Orleans. Yes. Uh, it's a good day to be drinking an old-fashioned. Um, is there any day that isn't a good day? <laughs> no, I don't think so. So, uh, as Abigail and I were talking before we started recording, there's a lot to unpack with this drink. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the er cocktail you are, right? The uh, the proto, the um, original words like that. And so, um, we're going to take you all the way from the the beginning of the old fashioned, what we call the old fashioned, but what has had a lot of names, um, to now, along with some advice if you want to make one at home or if you want to order one and look like you know what you're talking about. Um, so, okay, so here we are. Beginning. It's still a very <clears throat> controversial drink. It's traveled so far and it has changed so much, and then it kind of become gone back to its roots. So, I'm looking forward to hearing the history of this. Well, both Abigail and I had the great fortune to um, to meet Robert Simonson, who is a fantastic drinks writer and has penned a book that a lot of this information is coming from. Uh, the title of the book is, not surprisingly, The Old Fashioned. And if you want to follow this trail deeper, then we recommend that you pick up a copy. Uh, digitally or live or whatever, paperly. It's a nice book that fits nicely in your bag. Mm -hmm. If you're traveling somewhere, you could pull it out. It's a nice drink to, a nice book to read at a bar. It's got recipes too. Right, and then you'll, uh, maybe the bartender, maybe if it's a slow day, the bartender (laughs) can just kind of make her way uh, through the the book. That would be amazing. One old-fashioned at a time. So the old-fashioned. The old-fashioned originally was called um, the a whiskey cocktail. Mm-hmm. And you would have been ordering this. And by you, I mean you, man, probably white man, uh, would have been ordering this in the early 19th century uh, when the cocktail becomes popular. So before we talk about what's a whiskey cocktail, what is a cocktail? So the word cocktail shows up in, um, in a couple of lists in the late 1700s, um, a man in England writes a list of things that he drank while he was in America, and one of them was cocktail, spelled two words. But my favorite uh, early pr- um, appearance of the word cocktail is in a newspaper called the Balance and Columbian Repository, which was a Federalist newspaper in Hudson, New York, and the Federalist part is important to get the joke. Yes. I think so, that's a rem- reminder that is um, Alexander Hamilton's party. That's right. And I'm not a fan of Alexander Hamilton with his whiskey tax, which is a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, but to, to, so the Balance and Columbia Repository. So 
A political candidate had recently lost an election, and the editor of the paper blamed it on all of the cocktails this man had consumed. So a reader wrote in and asked the editor, what does this cocktail mean? What, what does this word cocktail mean? And what that lets you know is that it's a word that the editor thought that he could use in, um, on May 13th, 1806. Uh, but it wasn't a word that his reader knew. So it was kind of like Facebook in 2002. Like my grandma would be, what's a Facebook, you know? <laughs> uh, but somebody in the know would, would know this word. So the editor responded, a cocktail is a stimulating beverage comprised of liquor of any kind, bitters, sugar, and water. It is vulgarly called a bittered sling and is said to be of excellent use in electioneering in that it renders the heart stout and bold while it fuddles the head. He went on to say that it is of use to a Democratic candidate and that a person having swallowed a glass of it is willing to swallow anything else. And I say, where are those Federalists now, Alexander <laughs> Hamilton? Not around. Uh, but so there's your definition, and it's a pretty basic drink. So you have spirits, sugar, bitters, and uh, he says water, which will eventually come to mean ice. And I think it's important to mention here that so cocktail is a category of drinks. So now that's kind of changed, and we consider cocktails to be anything alcoholic. But specifically, a cocktail was, and some people feel still is, bitters, sugar, spirit, and water. And if you don't have bitters, then it's not a cocktail. It's not a cocktail. Some may argue. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so when that list that I was talking about, the, uh, the guy said he had, a, he had a flip, he had a smash, he had a cocktail. Mm-hmm. So all of these were different kinds of drinks categories categories yeah Yeah. so right category as opposed to kind and i think this is very important to us in new orleans because of our wonderful rich history of bitters and because we have you know one of the few bitters that survived prohibition came from here is still being made by a company who at least has ownership here so i think um we have a pharmacy museum um, and bitters were medicine and our our bartenders were our doctors. Our doctors were bartenders. Well, I would, and some would argue that you still are. <laughs> like a shrink. <laughs> yeah. Where's uh, my degree? Right, well, the, the, therapy of the, the therapy of the bartender. <laughs> so um, so you, could or, you would order a fill-in-the-blank cocktail. And you could have a brandy cocktail, a gin cocktail, a whiskey cocktail and that meant i want this spirit with bitters sugar and ice water um and frankly in the early part of the 20th uh, sorry 19th century and especially here in new orleans brandy was super popular and even gin was more popular in america than um, necessarily than than whiskey. Whiskey gets like all the love and press, but when you start combing through uh, newspapers and seeing what um, so cocktails were part of the sporting life, mm-hmm. which meant people who gambled and also went to bordellos. Mm-hmm. Uh, so intersection, um, and you saw what people you know the what the <clears throat> the men about town would order a gin, co- gin cocktail was super popular as well. Gin. 
whiskey. So Antoine Peychaud, you say, may have, if he was ordering a cocktail, it was very likely a, could be a gin or a, a brandy cocktail? I, I think because he uh, he was alleged to have mixed his Peychaud's bitters with brandy, mm-hmm. so he would have called a brandy cocktail. And he was of Haitian descent, so he spoke French. So I'm going to say that the French folks, at least in New Orleans, would have been ordering brandy. But there was whiskey here. But Oh, totally whiskey. Even before we were American, it was coming down the river from, um, from all those... Uh, people who were fleeing Alexander Hamilton. Those and his, cane tucks. His pesky taxes. Cane tucks. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, so this is to say that there's all kinds of cocktails, and whiskey cocktail is one kind. But over time, because whiskey is um, an American-made product, so brandy is imported generally. I mean, there's, there's some apple brandy and a little peach brandy that's being made in Georgia, but in general, whiskey is taken over. And so the whiskey cocktail becomes like the cocktail. But Abigail, what happens when bartenders make the same thing over and over and then they have a bar that's full of lots of other products? We get bored and we start adding other things. Mm-hmm. So bartenders begin to, the bar back, the back of the bar um, increases. And bartenders start adding a little, a little some extra, uh, whether it's maraschino or um, absinthe, ooh, curacao, curacao, all of these other flavors. And so the whiskey cocktail becomes uh, becomes an unreliable order. You don't necessarily know what you're going to get. <clears throat> are you going to get curacao? Are you going to get maraschino? And uh, I have not worked behind the bar, but you have. And what is the reaction when you have a customer who doesn't know what they're going to get or gets the thing they weren't expecting? Oh, it's sometimes it's not good. <laughs> so old man, who old sh- man who shakes fists at the sky, yes, says, "Where well, I want my whiskey cocktail." <laughs> I want it the old-fashioned way. That's how I imagine it went down. I really imagine that some old guy walked into his old saloon and was unaccustomed to this new young crowd wearing diamond stick pins and twirly mustaches, lighting stuff on fire, doing flair in the 1800s, mm-hmm. you know, the first golden age of mixology, as it were, when you started to have all these other whiskey cocktails. And I imagine him ordering a whiskey cocktail and the bartender saying, Oh, well, what kind of whiskey cocktail you want a Manhattan? Just give me an old-fashioned cocktail. I yeah. imagine him getting mad at him, cutting him off. I don't want to hear what you got, fancy pants. Just give me an old-fashioned cocktail. And I always imagine that's how it got its name. Yeah, and, and I actually think that um, concurrent with this, and this is this is all speculation because we can't go back in time and observe or ask, oh, that we is could. that this drink is real. I think the diversity or the fact that it's um so amenable to having uh, all sorts of minor tweaks and variations to kind of make it it's a a new thing each time or have a bartender have that um uh facility which is part of the reason it's you know remains popular is it really explodes in popularity in um the mid 19th century 
It's made in batches and served to Union troops during the Civil War as part of their daily rations. It was the preferred cocktail of John Wilkes Booth. An Indiana newspaper asserted that a whiskey cocktail before breakfast was the best thing for your complexion. And leading up to and after the Civil War, New Orleans newspapers are full of jokes about politicians drinking morning whiskey cocktails before heading out to the legislature. Okay, here's a joke from the Picayune. Uh, Here's a politician who always had two whiskey cocktails each morning. When asked why two, not one, he replied, well, the first one makes me feel like another man, so then I feel obliged to buy around for myself. Ah, (laughs) 19th century newspaper (laughs) jokes. When President Garfield died in 1882, Newspapers across the country, including throughout Louisiana, reported with horror that members of the House of Representatives riding the funeral train spent over $1,700 on liquor, wine, and lunches, $300 of which uh, was on whiskey cocktails. And that's like, what, a a sixth? Yeah, less, slightly more than a sixth was just on whiskey cocktails. So one of the earliest recipes for this drink when it's finding its feet is from Jerry Thomas, who's a super famous... He's like the godfather of the modern mixology movement. Yeah. He's the first, the first guy to kind of put it down in a book. And he's the first kind of celebrity mixologist. The, the guy, he traveled a lot and worked at different bars and worked all over the country and, and was very, very well known for his craft. And also a bit of an eccentric. Like he had a pet yes. rat. He set things on fire. And wasn't he that like? The, oh yeah, yeah, the blue, blue blazer. blazer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, super famous Jerry Thomas. He pens this book in 1862 called The Bartender's Companion, and <clears throat> and he uh, one could argue it's the first old fashioned recipe, kind of. Um, because it does have sugar, but the sugar is uh, gum syrup, which is made with gum arabic. And Abigail, you want to gum arabic? Um, really, it's like a rich, simple syrup. If you were to make like a two parts or three parts sugar to one part water, simple syrup, you would mimic that. If you, can, I mean, you can get gum arabic. It's really just more about texture. It created kind of a more thicker, richer. Um, more viscous texture to your syrup. So it's simp- it's gum syrup, not just regular simple. Boker's bitters, which was a very popular bitters at the time. And I, is somebody making that again now? No? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I thought so. It's come back. And a wine glass full of whiskey, which is about two ounces. And obviously, if you had two ounces of wine in a restaurant today, you'd be very pissed off. But that's a <laughs> wine glass back then. Stirred and strained and garnished with a lemon twist. So there you are with your old-fashioned. That's an old-fashioned. And um, so then that's when you begin to see all of these uh, improvements. And here's the thing. The improvements are happening at the same time that the regular thing is just saying it's regular thing. Because we see in uh, here in New Orleans, there's this man. His name's Lafcadio Hearn. So he wrote all about Creole life or living in New Orleans and um, he uh, uh, he additionally wrote a, a, a cookbook called La Cuisine Creole 
and he has a recipe for a whiskey brandy or gin cocktail new orleans style where you mix bokers or angostura or pechos bitters which would have been made here and his recipe is one lump of sugar one piece of lemon peel a little water a wine glass of liquor with plenty of ice and robert simonson argues that this is really the first old-fashioned recipe because you have the ice and you also have sugar instead of the simple. The gum syrup, instead yeah. Instead of the gum syrup. Like you're kind of, because you're adding water, you're kind of making a syrup on the fly. Yeah. So here's the cool thing about mixing it with the sugar. And Abigail was ta- asking me if I remembered this. So do you remember about the spoon cocktail? Oh, yes. Okay. I love the idea of the spoon cocktail. So tell them about the spoon cocktail. Well, if you, have, if, you, if you do use real sugar and you think of like the rich kind of lumpy sugar, hard sugar that they had in the 1800s, it, would, it wouldn't all dissolve in the drink. And you'd on the bottom have this nice soupy kind of mixture of of maybe a little bit of that lemon peel and whiskey-soaked sugar, basically, like a little sugar puree. And you would need a spoon to get it all out. And I love the story about men wouldn't, would be seen walking around with spoons in their pockets to get all that sugar out. It's like using your finger to get like the meringue out of a sour. I love the idea of like, carrying around a little spoon. Or if it was served with a spoon... It was considered ill-mannered to put the spoon on the bar uh, because, you know, who knows where that bar's been. So a lot of times men would pocket the spoon and then perhaps forget or perhaps not. And I have this vision of, you know, multiple spoons. Also that the old-fashioned, well, the old-fashioned, the whiskey cocktail was a matitudinal cocktail, which means it was meant for the morning, which is why you wake up, you have a whiskey cocktail, and then your complexion is immediately brighter, according to the Indiana newspaper. Well, of course it uh, is. So, so now you're walking to work with the multiple spoons in your pocket. And and uh, as somebody who manages a bar, like how many, that's a lot of spoons to lose. That would be a lot of spoons to lose. I don't know where they're getting their um, spoon budget from. But I certainly don't have that. We lose enough spoons. Well, and now today, everything needs to be sustainable, so it'd have to be bamboo spoons, probably. Or metal spoons you can rewash. And you bring a, if you brought a spoon back, maybe you could get a discount yeah. on your old-fashioned. I like that. Okay. So, um, so now everybody's uh, ordering this whiskey cocktail, and um, maybe there's sugar in it. You got your spoons, and you begin to have one other element showing up, which is that maybe the spoon, well, the spoon doesn't do all the work. So you, you start seeing the muddler. And the muddler is first used for sugar, right? To, to mush the sugar. The muddle with, the sugar, yeah. Right. And we know that the muddler was so prevalent until Prohibition that one temperance worker said that once the 18th Amendment passed, forests hitherto felled for pestles to mash the lump of sugar will build great fleets. That is a lot of muddlers. <laughs> a lot of muddlers. <laughs> I think that's a hyperbole. I think so, too. Temperance worker. It's important, though, remember, remember this story about the muddler and the lump sugar, because we're going to get back to that. Okay, everybody remember that. Put a pin in it. Put a pin so in it. So you begin to have, um, you got the muddled sugar, maybe you have your spoon, 
and bartenders begin to add all of these other elements like the maraschino, the curacao, the absinthe. And then right before prohibition, and particularly after prohibition, that's when you start to see the fruit. You are definitely seeing fruit during prohibition to cover up the taste of that nasty whiskey you're getting. During prohibition, you've got whiskey that is being lengthened with all sorts of terrible neutral grain spirits or even worse, kerosene, who knows, right? Mm -hmm. And you're not going to get that curacao anymore. So what is curacao? Orange. You're not going to get maraschino anymore. And what is that? Cherry. Cherry. Maybe it's easier to get the fruit than the liqueurs at this point. So you're still trying to get that flavor in the drink. And it's, it's funny, it seems, it seems backwards since we w- went through a period where you, we were using artificial flavors because we couldn't get the real fruit. Now they're actually getting the real fruit because they can't get the product anymore. So something that's key that also happens during Prohibition that is a little related to fruit um, is that prior to Prohibition, women are not welcomed in taverns. Certainly not ladies of quality. Mm-hmm. But if you're running an illegal establishment, a speakeasy, then you can't be quite so picky about who your clientele is. And women begin to drink in public in bars en masse. And of course, particularly younger women, the flapper and the old fashioned really spikes in popularity because of number one, what Abigail is saying about masking the taste of nasty whiskey and two for women who don't really want to drink just straight liquor you know out on the wild west a man is just having a slug of whiskey or multiple slugs of whiskey probably because out the west was hard um but a woman in her fancy dress at a jazz club or whatever wants something that's going to go down a little sweeter And so throughout Prohibition and coming out of that time, you have women calling for an old-fashioned. And so we have for you a clip from the movie Go Into Your Dance, where the fantastic Miss Ruby Keeler is normally hoofing it, but she is instead going to sing a little bit uh, about uh, the old-fashioned specifically this song, an old-fashioned cocktail for an old-fashioned gal. Mm, Yeah, I'm an old-fashioned gal. If you're feeling kind of lonely and you feel you need a pal, have a good old-fashioned cocktail with a good old-fashioned gal. You can tell me of your travels. Would you like something to eat while you're waiting, sir? How can a guy think of food at a moment like this? Bring me a bottle of champagne. Yes, sir. Am I calling you, baby? Don't kid me, mister. You love it. You must have been reading my mail. I'm the postmaster's daughter. Hey, the good old-fashioned way you can cry upon my shoulder. Sing about your old gal Sal. Have a good old-fashioned cocktail with a good old-fashioned gal. So, uh, I wish that I could like play that entirely without the interruption of the movie happening in the middle because there's like dialogue or whatever. But uh, you can seek it out. It's a great movie. Uh, but it does perfectly encapsulate this idea that, um, that 
the drink has now sh- definitively shifted. It isn't a whiskey. It is not ordered as a whiskey cocktail. No. Or at least anybody in the know is not calling it that. There's they- too many other drinks. There's t- at this point, we've got so many other drinks, and we've had vermouth introduced to it as well, and all this European influence. And this is really an old-fashioned drink. Um, and it's that's why it's called the old-fashioned now because there's so many newfangled drinks that are happening in this period. So this is like a really kind of classic old-fashioned drink. And even though it's changed a lot and is being adapted, it's still like the the epitome of a great old-fashioned drink. So um, what the old-fashioned means after Prohibition into the, say, in the 1940s and 50s is cherry and orange smushed with a muddler with, with simple, sugar with simple syrup no or, sugar no, cube sugar cube yeah and bitters and whiskey and perhaps so a splash of soda the splash I, of soda i'll tell you is not and i so many people misinterpret it and they think a splash of soda is part of the drink and you'll get that on top the splash of soda was meant to help break up the sugar cube the splash of soda is not an ingredient. It's not supposed to be topped with soda. The splash of soda was literally just supposed to be put on the sugar cube to help that muddler, and this is the part I said we get back to, help that muddler break up the sugar cube. You can't see, but Abigail is smushing a sugar I'm cube smushing. with an imaginary muddler. It's very important. It's very important that it all get kind of mashed up together <clears throat> into this beautiful cherry orange kind of slush, kind of right. sherbet. But unfortunately, that... that like you said, it gets misinterpreted or misremembered or mislearned. And I have had... I still have I've people who ask me. They're like, please don't put soda water on yeah, top. I'm I like, who does that still? People, oh. bar- bartenders where, where no. I've ordered an old-fashioned. No, 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 no. Especially at a restaurant. This is why we when, still have so much work to do. So, speaking of the work, I've gotten us to post-World War II. Mm-hmm. And um, for anybody who watched Mad Men, they were still ordering old fashions. But emerging in that time, vodka is starting to become uh, a supplant whiskey. And uh, just the while we really lost a generation of bartenders during Prohibition. We did. There, some it still kind of lingered the cocktail hour, but by the seventies, sixties, late sixties, early seventies, definitely into the eighties, the idea of the classic cocktail is something that is really dying away and being um, killed by I don't know what the Long Island iced tea, the Mm -hmm. mudslide, mudslide, Mm -hmm. lazy, lazy drinks, blender drinks, blender get introduced and kind of changes a lot. Um, also you're just not, you're not getting, uh, fresh fruit anymore in the bars. You're not getting bitters and, um, and you're getting just, um, uh, you, you have a whole generation and I blame the hippies for this. Don't trust anyone over 30. We're not going to drink what our parents drank. They stopped drinking whiskey because that's what their parents drank. Mm. So there's a whole, the baby boomers kind of missed this. Except in New Orleans. Except people, in New Orleans. Where people, people do drink where like people their parents kept, drink. Yeah, they kept their sanity. Um, right, yeah. <laughs> but that is a, a thing that, um, however that might get dismissed as, as being, well, frankly, old-fashioned. Or that this is a town that is always 
has one foot in the past and maybe two feet and is like leaning back and sleeping in the past um that that the the cocktail culture never quite went away there were holdouts that people still uh supported and visited places where their parents drank their grandparents drank and ate the so the old-fashioned lived on over it i found it very interesting um as a young bartender starting out or not so young bartender when i started it was still very difficult to convince people the the way that we make an old-fashioned now and uh it's been way easier i don't know if it's just that time has caught up and people realize that this is the proper way to drink an old-fashioned but um, it's been way easier to convince people here that an old-fashioned should be kind of bare bones back to its original form. Well, so speaking of, like, what what is that? So what does an old-fashioned mean now? Well, I, I feel like that the vast majority of people, um, if they're not into the scene, if they haven't been introduced to the new golden age of mixology that started in the top of the 21st century, your idea of an old-fashioned is still very similar as it was when we left off in the 50s and 60s. Muddled orange and cherry with bitters, if you're lucky, if you have it, with um, some sugar, usually a packet of sugar, since nobody really has cubes anymore. Mm -hmm. Probably a splash of soda, because they don't know that you don't need that <laughs> mm-hmm. if you're if you're muddling just sugar or if you're using or simple, simple syrup yeah. even worse yeah it's simple soda on top of simple ridiculous and then whiskey and ice and it's just i call it a fruit salad it's a fruit salad old fashioned and there's a time and a place for that. And there's some people who want that. Sometimes I crave one. It is the drink that I grew up sipping mm-hmm. because my mother, that is what my it's mother usually, ordered. It's usually too sweet. <clears throat> it's usually too sweet. It's usually kind of whiskey light and you just taste a lot of the fruit. Oh, unless you uh, are sitting next to my mother yes. when she orders it, which is there's one finger that's like pointing, but also wagging. She taught fifth grade for 33 years, so she could... Um, convey a lot in that one like pointing wagging finger which I'm doing for Abigail which is old-fashioned not too sweet and then the bartender would know that the unspoken because the lady wouldn't say you know don't stint on the whiskey either yeah um but but that is that's the drink that I I mean I have tremendous affection for that drink because does does your mother still prefer it with the muddled fruit oh you know that's a really good question I think that um because we we went on a little kind of mini vacation and she ordered old fashions you know the entire time uh and didn't say anything negative about because because we got both we were in mobile and went to a place that was kind of old school to me that muddled the fruit salad is the old school yeah. now yeah and then we went somewhere you know fancy and she didn't say anything either way. So I'll have to ask if she has a preference. When I first started bartending, I was definitely, this was one of the battles I fought very hard for and I was a little snooty about. And when somebody would prefer the muddled fruit, and I said, oh, well, that's the new fashioned. And I say new because it's what started during Prohibition. The, what I make is a true old-fashioned from the 1800s mm-hmm. in where it's just bitter sugar, spirit, and water Would they have with had, ice. Oh, and then, but what's your garnish? Garnish was, uh, I used to do just a lemon peel. 
Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes lemon and orange peel, depending on the whiskey that I used, because I wanted to you see where I where you can get creative is what kind of sugar you use, what kind of bitters you use. Um, so the when when we started, it was it was like if you had access to ice box, it was that one big ice cube, mm-hmm. and that was a good way to like win people over that this was a great old fashioned. If you had that one beautiful carved rock, and there's mm-hmm. precedent for that in. Um, and Robert Simonson, going back to the uh, late 1800s, they said carve one cube of ice the size of like a diamond, shaped like a diamond, mm. like as, as big as the, your closed fist. So there's precedent for that in the 1800s, that that was a great way to serve an old-fashioned. So I did, my standard old-fashioned became um, two dashes each of both orange and Angostura bitters, mm-hmm. um, two ounces of spirit, and a bar spoon or about a quarter ounce, a little scant quarter ounce of simple syrup. And um, I have now my, that's basically my house recipe now. Um, here it is like eight years later after I'm a more experienced and more relaxed bartender in New Orleans, but that's still kind of my standard, although I use Demerara syrup instead mm-hmm. of um, uh, simple syrup for a little bit more richness, mm-hmm. and I use a um, an orange twist with a cherry on a pick because I've kind of relaxed a little bit, and I, love I still the I still want to give people that reminiscence of that muddled orange and cherry, mm-hmm. and I'm giving them the essence of the orange, and I'm giving them a little cherry as like a little snack or a bite mm-hmm. to eat while they sip. So I have relaxed and kind of found this happy medium, I feel, between mm-hmm. the muddled fruit salad old-fashioned and the very strict mixology old-fashioned that 10 Only years ago was all twist. the rage. Only a lemon twist. And, um, and, and now I, I also, uh, we ask people if they prefer bourbon or rye. We're much more relaxed about that, too. And they're what, whoa, oh, I'll, try, I'll, I'll try rye. I've never, never even knew you could have it like that. And so when you when you say you're relaxed about that, what would what would the def- your default have been? Bourbon. I think it would have been bourbon, um, because rye to me was a for Manhattan's. So mm-hmm. so if I wanted to do an old fashioned whiskey cocktail, it was it was bourbon. Even though if you were a bartender in the 19th century, it probably just, would have been rye. Or you would have just used whatever. Like this is it the, would be a whiskey blend. This is the whiskey I have. This is the whiskey I have. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think I, I think we were so strict in the beginning because we had to educate people like this is not the way it is. This is not the way it was. And we're trying to bring this craft back to its original source. So we were all like super it's the same thing that we did with a martini and we still are doing with a martini. Mm-hmm. You know that a martini is it, it's a cocktail because it has bitters in it, mm-hmm. which people don't realize. And then but instead of sugar it uses vermouth. Yeah. And then it still uses a, a spirit and then water to dilute it. Save the martini. It's for another episode. Another. You guys, it's that's just a little sneak peek to another episode that we're doing. That's why you should but this is still this is still the old fashioned, which I think has become very popular. I remember Rye Old Fashions having a big rush. People Particularly, it was like men of a certain age, I think, read it in a magazine. Like, this is a cool thing to order. Because <laughs> all of a sudden, they were flooding into the bar in droves. Like, I'll have a rye old fashioned. I was like, whoa, who are you? Where did you come from? Mm. What magazine did a story about that? I bet it was an air, airplane magazine. Airplane or GQ, GQ or something yeah. like that. So so here, this is where we are now. Yeah. Your, this, that's your recipe. So I, I, I don't know. You know, I don't... I don't order order old fashions from 
bars I don't know. So it's been a while. I imagine I would still get... In fact, I, w- I was told once at a bar, I can't make one because I don't have an orange. And I was oh. like, oh, well, you know, you I don't like it with an orange. I don't like the fruit salad. You know, I, I, um, I, I, this is a, a little extra tip today. Like when I was in a dive bar, but I still wanted a fancy drink, and I saw that because everyone bar has bitters, I would just order a glass of whiskey on ice with a dash of bitters. That way you know it's not going to be too sweet. Mm-hmm. Because that is, that is a problem with old fashions, isn't it? People make them too sweet. Yeah, well, I, I, so I'll do that. But it, usually if it's a dive bar and I know the bartender, then I say, make me an old-fashioned kind of. Old-fashioned, pull the sugar and the fruit. No, no, because I'll, you... I'll, I'll have a smushed, uh, lurid, fluorescent cherry there, for old time's sake. There was a moment when I would order those and just say, just please don't put any sugar in it at all. And they'd be like, I, no sugar? I'm yeah. like, no, just the fruit. Yeah, if muddled. you have the cherry and an orange, then you're good. And I say extra bitters. Yeah. Dive right. around. And so, yeah, there's, extra whiskey. I did and that a lot in the 90s. That was like yeah. my 90s call a lot. So, um... When so, I wasn't drinking Cosmos. <laughs> when I wanted to be a little bit more fancy. So, uh, something that's really interesting now... So, the old-fashioned... Now means what the men, the grumpy old men of the 19th century wanted, which is let's go back. Let's go back. To this, to whiskey, sugar, bitters, lemon twist, maybe. I really feel like the last 10 years we've made that happen. And I'll have to look on my blog post. I think I wrote something about 10 years ago about this is our next battle. We're going to bring old fashions back to what they were. And I feel like... So, like we're doing so it that. only took a hundred years, and <laughs> I was um, like, "We did it in the last 10. You're like, "It took a hundred." But lady. now, but did you not just listen to what we talked about <laughs> for the last but, hour? But now there are other old fashioned. So just this is what's really funny That's is an, that the grumpy old man can now be mad again because that, an old fashioned old fashioned because you could have a, a gin old fashioned or a rum old fashioned well I will argue the rum old fashioned has been here all along in the form of a tea punch mm-hmm. mm. but does a tea punch have bitters? oh you're right it doesn't yeah a tea you're punch right. with bitters a tea punch with bitters see also more old. vulgarly bittered slang <laughs> see, all, see also old fashioned so yeah so now you and by that I mean the listener not Abigail you can go and order, like, let's say you are not a big whiskey fan, but you love gin. Go rock a bartender's world and order a gin cocktail. I think what has been really fun for us modern bartenders about the old fashioned is we have really enjoyed finding good whiskey and then pairing it with the right bitters and then pairing it with the right sugar. You know, I make um, uh, a great scotch old fashioned using honey. Instead of mm. instead of Do you use honey from Scotland, oh they would be God. very picky. I have honey from Scotland, okay, but I only I don't have enough for your like bar. <laughs> I need so little to make you one cocktail. Bring it right, in no, for no, one no. cocktail. I will. I'll be yeah, and I will be that person that that who is what is that? Oh, I brought my own honey. Oh my gosh! Oh my God! I would love it if people hear this podcast and come into my bar and be like, "I'd like you to make me old fashioned," and I brought my own. Like I use maple syrup with some rye. Yeah, rye whiskey and maple syrup. That's a very natural beautiful pairing right all of canada would agree with you 
Yeah. And well, a lot least, of Vermont. At least Quebec. Quebec would agree with <laughs> Quebec you. Quebec. So, um, all right. So now you know what to order or what to look for, and you kind of have a recipe. And yeah. If I you mean, don't... at your better bars, <clears throat> definitely try to rock different old fashions. You know, don't come in with a preconceived like I want a certain brand. You know, let them let them choose. Because sometimes they'll, especially if it's not busy, they'll be happy to kind of play with certain different bitters and different sugars and different whiskey and find, like, this is why I think this is a great old-fashioned. So you've learned the history of the old-fashioned. Now let's join Abigail and learn how to make an old-fashioned in her bar, Compare Le Pen. All right. Today we're going to demonstrate how to make an old-fashioned um, I'm here at my bar, Compare Le Pen, but you could be anywhere to make this cocktail. It's relatively simple, and you don't need a lot of special ingredients or special tools. If you have a beautiful mixing glass, you could use it. If you have an ice mold that makes a giant big ice block, you can use that, but they're not necessary. So the first thing we're going to do is just get a glass, uh, an old-fashioned glass, that's what they're called. We're going to fill it with some ice. Now I'm going to add two dashes each of Angostura and orange bitters. Okay, and now just a little bit of sugar. Now I use, um, I use a Demerara sugar mix. So it's a raw Louisiana sugar with a little hot water added, about two to one. So we're going to do that. Now this is where you can, you know, make it your own way. Um, my kind of solid base that I do is about a quarter of an ounce. Um, if, if you like things a little sweeter... Pour a little more. If you like things not so sweet, pour a little less. You could always add more bitters as well. Okay, next we're going to add your um, spirit component. And as we know from the old-fashioned episode, this could be any spirit you like, whatever you're in the mood for. Uh, rye old-fashioned seem to be all the rage right now. And since I am kind of a rye girl, why don't we use a little Sazerac rye? We're going to use two ounces. Now we're ready to give this a little stir. And again, this is where if you like it a little bit more diluted, a little colder, you stir it a little longer. If you're using a big ice cube, you could stir it a little longer. If you have smaller ice cubes, it doesn't need much of a stir at all. So Abigail, can you give a little advice on stirring technique? Because when I go to a bar, I always see bartenders and they just effortlessly stir. But can you explain what you're doing? We do have really nice spoons, and nice spoons help. But in at a home situation, you could use a chopstick. I find chopsticks incredibly handy to get a good stir on. Because what you want to do is put the side of the back side of the spoon against the side of the glass, bring it all the way down to the bottom, and then you're just revolving the ice around that way. How do you know how long to stir? It's more of like a gut feeling. You could taste it, see if it's ready. See if it's cold. I usually look and see when all the ice is kind of incorporated in the liquid. Then it's good to go. Um, And what are your thoughts? Can you buy simple syrup? Is that okay or is it better to make your own? It's so simple to make your own. That's the reason why it's called simple syrup. I'm sure you have some sugar at home. Just put it with, put some hot water in a teapot and then just put a cup of hot water to a cup of sugar and stir until dissolved and you've got your simple syrup. 
Okay, and the bitters, you use orange and Angostura. Um, do you have any thoughts about, like, other kinds of bitters? Or do you have recommendations of, of like, if you wanted to mix it up a little bit? Bitters are to a bartender what spices are to a chef. So really just use your own personal preference. If you'd like a little um, stronger bitters or if you want to try pechaud bitters, whatever bitters you feel like going for, it go for it well then the last little bit is the garnish the uh this is we're doing a really classic old-fashioned without the muddled fruit salad on the bottom we didn't start with that so we're going to end it with a little twist of fruit i'm going to do a twist of orange and add one maraschino cherry and that is your old-fashioned so regarding the twist of orange uh, is there any advice that you can give for people who uh, constantly cut their fingers or their peels look like crappy little raggedy things? Well, I do like a Y-shaped peeler. It just takes practice. Just get like a vegetable peeler and practice uh, lightly. Don't stress about it. Hold the fruit lightly. Hold the peeler lightly. You don't need a lot of pressure to get a nice peel. And then when you get the peel, you just want the peel side down when you pinch it and express the oils over the top of the drink. Okay, well, thanks very much. I'm going to drink this drink now. <laughs> I guess we can share. Cheers. <laughs> so speaking of variations, mm-hmm. there is a very popular variation in one part of our country. We cannot. Um, the Wisconsin Old Fashioned. We cannot which, talk about Old Fashions without talking about Wisconsin. Which I love that it is called the Wisconsin Old Fashioned and not the Brandy Old Fashioned. I'll tell you, when people come into my bar and order a Brandy Old Fashioned, I look at them and I say, are you from Wisconsin? And when they say yes, I'm like, then I'm going to make it the way you expect me to make it. Because here, bartenders, here words you have to change your mind. When somebody orders a brand new old-fashioned, they're from Wisconsin, you know how they want it? They want it that old-fashioned fruit salad way. You have to do it that way. And I'm very happy to give it to them the way they like. Mm-hmm. If you make just a brand new old-fashioned with just bitters and a twist, they're going to be very disappointed. Mm-hmm. I think, and I understand, I feel like this is a different drink. And I feel like this is a different drink that they have earned a right to have the way they want because they kept this alive. So if you don't know why Wisconsin is famous for its brandy old fashions, well, I'll start by telling you a lot of the people who settled that part of the country were of German descent, and Germans love their brandy. And brandy became very difficult to get in this country in the end of the 19th century because of the phylloxera epidemic. So in comes some brothers who are in California growing wines and making brandy. They are the Corbell brothers. And they're making American brandy that is way more affordable. And where do they choose to exhibit, first exhibit, their American brandy? Well, in the late 1800s at the Chicago World's Fair. Milwaukee, Chicago, all of these people are coming to Chicago for this World's Fair. All the people in this region. And it's the biggest, most amazing thing to happen that region at the time so many things come from there like light bulbs you know we're like oh my god and that terrible serial killer right (laughs) the murder castle that guy that guy was also there but thankfully a lot of the descendants who now enjoy um brandy old fashions were spared because they went to the corbell brothers tent where the corbell brothers were exhibiting their brandy 
in a brandy old fashioned. And they were doing their brandy old fashioned, this being the late 100s, with the muddled cherries. And I'm sure they were batching it. It's kind of similar to rock and rye. If you know what a rock and rye is, it's it's rock candy with cherries and oranges infused into a rye. That's probably how they were serving this Corbel, over crushed ice, so to keep it nice and refreshing, and they were just pouring it over with the fruit in the bottom. So think of all of, all of you Wisconsinites who enjoy. Uh, you could trace your lineage back, find your ancestor who went to that World's Fair and brought that recipe back because a lot of you have them because that's why to this day 70% of Corbell's brandy that is produced it is consumed in that part of the country oh. over it's 75% 75% of Corbell brandy is consumed in Wisconsin that's a fantastic statistic I know well done Wisconsin <laughs> and Corbell yeah well done Corbell very savvy this was this was our house brandy at um at, at Sobu. Oh. Yeah, no, I, I, kinda, I love this story, and I kind of love the idea of this, you know, this tradition and this history. And this is why I'll always make this brandy old-fashioned that way and have no problems about it. I will mm-hmm. not be snotty about it because I love that they kept this tradition alive. Mm-hmm. And it's all from this one magical event when we would all come together and see what's new and what's amazing and mm-hmm. what's hot. What's our future. And what's our future, and that's what yeah. the World's Fair was about. And right, it was about science and technology. Science and technology. Things that we believed in. Yeah, and we were, you know, rescued from the phylloxera epidemic. Thank you, California Brandy. Yeah. So, Abigail, last week... Or two weeks, well, we met a week ago. Whenever you're <laughs> listening to this, I don't know. You gave us a great tip about tipping, which is that you should and not be stingy. Um, and until America changes its employment uh, policy, then um, then uh, we're all a part of this system. Yes, we are. Uh, which and, and if you go into a restaurant or a bar... And you eat that you you need to like factor in that you're going to tip your, at least tip 20%. your tip your server yeah. at least twenty percent because that's that's how the world works right now mm-hmm. and when it changes then we can all change but it's not changed yet so that was a great tip about tipping do you so what's tip what's the tip for this week well I hate to do like another tipping tip right away that's all right. Um, it's important. It's a, it's kind of in the it's, news. It's too. connected and it's in the news. Um, when people go out for happy hour, um, this is a way we bring people in during slower periods, and it's also just kind of expected that we have happy hours. A lot of time, happy hours are just a dollar off of wines or some you know extra food. But a lot of times, it's like it's a pretty good discount, like fifty percent off, like their normal prices. And I want you to kind of consider that because your bartender and your server, they're doing the same amount of work, but your bill is sometimes um, more than half of what it would have been. And I want you to consider that when you're tipping um, because they're still doing the work uh, and you're getting a discount because you're coming at the same time. You're making money for the restaurant, but um, this is not making money for the servers. In fact, they're kind of losing money by being there. Um, So um, make that up to them. Figure out what your bill would have been. In a lot of cases, it's double, so that's really easy to just double it and then put that 20% on what you would have paid for it. And that kind of, I think that kind of goes for the par, par for the course, too, uh, when you get those kind of free rounds. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's not expected. It's not why we give free rounds. It's not why, you know, if you're a friend of the chef and you get sent out a whole bunch of food, um, sometimes you're just lucky enough to be a friend of the chef. But uh, when you get those, again, that's something you should take into account. Um, and, uh, again, if you're lucky enough to be friends with people in the service industry and to get those free rounds, then um, you should know better. So this isn't really a... A tip for everybody, because hopefully people are already doing this. But you never know. When you become that lucky person who gets that extra special attention, um, that usually, I mean, it's not expected, but it would be nice if you tipped a little extra as well. And if you've had such a happy, happy hour that you can't do math, please just ask your server what, you can ask your server all kinds of questions. Number one, (laughs) what would my bill have been? If I came during the regular time, number two, was 20% of this? (laughs) You can ask them. I mean, you can also pull out your phone, but let's say that you are unable to use your phone. I hope. I hope you're not that bad, but yes. Well, no, but sometimes math Math and this is, is hard. This is a prob- I've made the mistake. This is a problem with tipping, actually, with yeah. like, because it requires the, the uh, participant to do math. And I have given people such a good time. They love me. They say I've had a wonderful time. And sometimes I could tell I just gave them one drink too many because I get that great verbal tip. Yeah. But it did not match. So tip number, tip of the week is still about tipping. And it's and- about, like, the verbal tips are great, but my... Landlord does not take verbal tips in payment of rent. Yes. So keep that in mind. So keep that in mind. So we hope that you uh, leave today's episode with a plan to either um, go try a different kind of uh, old of, of cocktail, either gin cocktail, brandy, something like that, um, to make an old fashioned, to order. Uh, an, get out of your comfort zone of the fruit salad old-fashioned uh, for just something different. Try a Wisconsin brandy old-fashioned. Maybe not outside of Wisconsin because <laughs> because I feel like they know how to make it there but yeah. or a bartender who does. Uh, thanks so much for listening to another Drink and Learn podcast. Subscribe. Uh, if you uh, enjoyed it, please tell the internet or however you like to tell people about stuff. Sometimes even in person. That's 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 perfectly acceptable as well um and you can follow me at uh drink and learn um on all the ways that you can follow people the facebook the instagram and abigail how can people follow you i'm on you i'm on twitter as nyc baby i am on um instagram as my name abigail gullo g-u-l-l-o and you can follow my dog as a boudin queen on instagram you should spell boudin b-o-u-d-i-n Queen. That's my little Miss Ronnie magic. And until if you're the type that follows dogs on Instagram, and many of you are, I'm oh, sure. Oh, then you, you totally should. So uh, until then, um, until the next time, uh, cheers. Cheers. <laughs>